0: My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. This is Monday night. I am so glad to be with you. I wish Denise was here, but she's going to be gone one more week. But in the place of Denise, I have two of my favorite people on the planet. Paul Renner and Joel Renner. Hey guys. It is so good to be with both of you. I'm really glad to be here. And you know, right now a lot of people are talking about coronavirus and all kinds of viruses, and I want to tell you something. This is not the end. Jesus said at the end of the ages that there would be plagues and pestilence. It's very it's plural in Greek, which means when this one's done, there's going to be another one. And there's going to be another one, and there's going to be another one. And we're told very clearly in scripture not to be jarred by all of these events keep your head on straight and remember we have the answer jesus is healing power and when jesus walked into the pool of bethesda he was the answer for the sick people in that place Mm -hmm. and we have the answer he is jesus he lives inside us everywhere we go we take the answer with us Wow! praise jesus hey but tonight guys we're going to do tonight and all this week Every home group this week is going to be called, Do You Want to Be Healed? And it's going to be based on our study guide called, Do You Want to Be Healed? And actually, I have a whole series on this. If you are interested in it, it's on our store, on our website. The study guide is so wonderful. It's kind of an odd question. Doesn't everyone want to be healed? Well, everybody says they want to be healed, but everybody really doesn't want to be healed. You know, your mother just told me a story about when she was healed of acne. Your mother... didn't just have acne, she had cystic acne that went through all five layers of skin on her face and on her neck. And one day the Holy Spirit said, Denise, do you really want to be healed? And she thought that was an odd question. But then the Lord revealed to her that she had enjoyed the attention and the pity she had received from her mother Mm. because of her sickness. And though she said she wanted to be healed, there was still something in her that kind of relished that attention. And she had to repent of that before she could be healed. Sometimes there are things in our character that stop us from being healed. And when Jesus came into the pool of Bethesda, he strangely asked a man who had been sick for 38 years, do you really want to be healed? And Jesus is still asking people that question today. And sometimes people have become so comfortable in their infirmity that it's easier to stay sick than to be healed and have to change. For example, the man in the pool of Bethesda, have you ever thought about it? 38 years he had been sick. He had not had a job in 38 years. He had not had new education in 38 years. For 38 years he had lived on the social system somebody else had fed him. He hadn't had to worry about rent or any bills or anything else. If If he got healed, he's gonna have to leave where he is, leave his environment, choose new friends he may have to go to school because technology has been changed he can no longer depend on the system to feed him he has to feed himself it's not just a matter of feeling better it's going to totally change his life if he's healed we tend we lean towards familiar things we like the familiar
1: and some people say we're creatures of habit so when we talk about asking ourselves honest questions. Do you really want to be healed? Or do you really want to change? Or are you willing to take the step you need to take in order for real change to happen in your life? Often people back back up. They say, no, I like the familiar. No, I don't want to change my habits. I want change, but I don't want to change. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I want to be healed, but I don't want to change my lifestyle. But Jesus is asking a real obvious question. Are you really ready to make the changes?
0: And it's not just about sickness. I'm thinking about through the years, all the marriage counseling I've done, Mm. women who prayed for their husbands to get saved. Oh, I want my husband to be saved. I want him to be the spiritual leader of our house. Well, because he wasn't saved and he wasn't the spiritual leader, the wife was. Mm -hmm. But then God answered her prayers. He got saved. And he began to step into a position of spiritual leadership. And she was kind of like, Uh, what is this? I don't want to give up. I, I I I don't know if I like this. And sometimes when God answers our prayers, we find out maybe we weren't quite ready for that. And so Jesus, knowing human nature, lovingly asked the man, are you really sure this is what you want? Do you really want to be healed? Do you understand what's going to happen to you if I release my healing power in your life? It may seem like a strange question, but it was actually a very compassionate question. Okay, true story. I was speaking to
1: another bishop in Russia, and he was sharing about a woman came to the altar, about how a woman came to the altar with her son and said, my son is sick, he's paralyzed from the bottom down, could you please pray for him? And he went on to pray for healing. And then the mother stopped him and said, no, 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 we're not asking for healing. We're asking for him to get special invalid status so that our social security can go up. And he was like, okay, well, then we'll pray for that if that's what you want. And so after that point, he said, before praying for th- something I think is obvious, mm-hmm. he said, wait. You need to ask, what do you want? What are you wanting here? Are you <laughs> What exactly do you want me to pray for?
0: Well, on this particular day, in John chapter 5, Jesus came into a place called the Pool of Bethesda. In fact, let's open our Bibles. I'm reading right from the study guide. I'm having such a good time with you guys. Thank you for joining us, home group. But in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Do you know why it says it went up? Why, Paul? No, why? Because Jerusalem is on top of a mountain. Well, there's several hills in Jerusalem. Yeah, he he literally went up to Jerusalem. Many hills. Now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these, or in these five porches, lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind-hauled, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. "...whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had." But notice it says, "...now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches." Let me tell you about the Pool of Bethesda, and let me tell you where it was, and why Jesus was probably in that neighborhood that day. The Pool of Bethesda was located on the backside of the Temple Mount. Well, the Temple Mount was surrounded by a wall, and on the back side of the wall is a famous road, which even today is called the Via Della Rosa. And if you cross the Via Della Rosa and kind of turn right and walk toward Stephen's Gate, which is on the side of Jerusalem that goes down to the Kidron Valley, which then goes up to the Mount of Olives, you pass this big arch, and when you walk through that arch, you walk into a territory, which is the Pool of Bethesda. But during the time that Jesus was there, it was a very remote area because it was on the back side of the temple. It was kind of an exclusive area. People normally wouldn't be in that area. And why was Jesus there on that day? Because it was kind of an off-limits area. Well, it's very interesting. I'll tell you something interesting. If you walk through what was one time called Stephen's Gate, today it's called the Lion's Gate, it's on that side of the Temple Mount on the side that goes down to the Kidron Valley and goes up to the Mount of Olives, if you come in that gate on that side of Jerusalem and you walk along the back wall of the temple, eventually you come to the arch that leads into the Pool of Bethesda. But just before you get to that, there's a very ancient building. And if you read the plaque, which is on the side of the building, you will be quite shocked to see what it says. And the plaque says, and it is authenticated, that this was the place where the Virgin Mary's mother lived. Wow. It's not where the Virgin Mary was born, but it's where her, 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 grand, her mother lived, where her mother was born, where her grandparents lived. Interesting. And so that would have been Jesus' great grandparents. And it was right near the Pool of Bethesda on the backside of the temple wall. Well, Jesus' family was a very religious family, so it makes sense that they lived close to the Temple Mount. And in fact, today, if you go into the very, very bottom of that building, there's a staircase that goes down, down, down. And when you get down to the basement, there really is the remnants of a first century house. Mm-hmm. It's in the very bottom of that building. Have you guys e- either been there? No, I haven't. You know, it's amazing to me. All these pilgrims come to Jerusalem to go to the Pool of Bethesda, and they just walk right by it, and they don't even know what they're passing. Wow. So it's very possible that Jesus was in the neighborhood to see his great-grandparents. Jesus had grandparents, and Jesus had great-grandparents. Well, if that's the case, he came out, turned right. I have never heard you said that. say that before. Why? You've never said that ever in your teachings on Sundays. Jesus had parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. I mean, of course he did. I, I know, you just, you just never, I've never heard you say that in a message. Did you enjoy that? I did. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jesus hangs a right. Turns, turns right into the Pool of Bethesda. What is the Pool of Bethesda? Well, the Pool of Bethesda, first of all, was not a place for sick people. It was a place that originally was like the country club of Jerusalem. It was crystal clear, pure water. And in fact, the water there was so magnificent that the wealthy, who we today would call the intelligentsia, a lot of the priesthood, who were considered to be the politicians and the rich people of Jerusalem, they would come to the Pool of Bethesda. Pool of Bethesda was not the original name, the sick people called it the Pool of Bethesda. And they kind of claimed this as their territory and it was very exclusive, it was walled, nobody could go in there. And because the water was so wonderful, they would swim there, they would eat there, and it became such a place where they recreated that they began to build porches around it where they could sit under the porticos and they could eat and they could talk and they could swim. And it became like the exclusive country club of the rich, the powerful, and the intelligent in Jerusalem. But as time went by, the spring in the bottom of the pool, and by the way, there's only a couple of natural sources of water in Jerusalem. Yes. That spring began to dry up and when it did, the water turned really sick. You know what it's like when you have hot water. Stale. Stagnant water, it turns green, it begins to grow ugly things. And the intelligentsia said, you know what? This place is no longer fitting for us. We are not gonna come to this horrible place anymore. And they abandoned it. And when they abandoned it, it began to fall into disrepair. The marble began to crack. The terracotta tiles began to fall off the roofs. It had been covered with mosaics. I mean, it had been a magnificent place and it just fell into disrepair. And the sick people began to fill it. And it became like a nursing home, even worse than a nursing home. It was jam-packed. The Bible says a great multitude, great multitude in Greek. It's based on the word it means they were just piled on top of one another in this place. And uh, they were there because there was a rumor that when the water was stirred, it was because an angel had stepped into the water. Well, interesting that it says the moving of the water. That word moving describes a fierce agitation of the water. But there's a problem here. There's really a problem. Because there's no source for movement. There's no source for water flowing in. The the the, The spring has dried up. And because of the porticos that covered the pool. There would have been no wind. There was no wind. But suddenly, the water would begin stirring, not rippled like this, like the wind would do, but stirring, kind of like what you see in the bottom of the bathtub when you pull the plug. The water began turning like this, Mm. and it describes a fierce, fierce churning. Well, there's no natural explanation for that. And they believed it was an angel who had stepped into the water and whoever was the first into the water, they kind of thought there was some kind of a magical touch in the water itself. Whoever was the first into the water would be whole of whatsoever disease he had. That was the pool of Bethesda. And the sick people called it Bethesda. What does Bethesda mean? Bethesda means house of mercy, house of grace, or the place where God's goodness is poured out. A oh, wonderful name. Isn't that amazing? Wonderful. And the people said, God lives here. And it's where mercy miracles took place, where people just miraculously experienced goodness and grace, and sick people were touched and were healed. And today you can still visit the Pool of Bethesda. And when you visit the Pool of Bethesda today, it's kind of hard to imagine what it looked like 2,000 years ago, because it's so deep. I mean, it's deep, deep, deep. It wasn't that deep 2,000 years ago. It just shows you how many layers have been built on top of it in 2,000 years. But that's really where Jesus came that day. And it's likely that he was in the neighborhood to see his great-grandparents, hung a ride as he came out, turned into the pool of Bethesda, and when he walked into that place, everything changed in the life of one man. You know, I'm thinking about some of the miracles I've seen in our own ministry. We have seen amazing miracles. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus shows up, miracles take place. And there are notable miracles. You know, we had a very notable miracle in 1992. That big meeting in Riga. Somebody one time asked me. February, March, 1992. It was in September. Oh, Somebody once asked me, why do you always tell that story? Because it was so notable. It really impacted my life. A man who had fallen off the roof of his house, and for 19 years he was paralyzed from his waist down. He walked on crutches. And during one of our meetings, the Lord said to me, whatever it is you need, just be it unto you according to your faith. That man's arm shot up into the air. And when his arms shot up into the air, the crutches fell out from under his arms and the bottom half of his body came alive, just came alive. And just like in Acts chapter three, that man went walking and leaping and praising God. And we actually have video footage of it. Yes, we do. We we, we documented it. We didn't intend to, but we did. That's one of the most notable miracles I've ever seen. Another notable miracle I saw was our driver took his daughter and his niece to go swimming. He was laying on the beach in Jelgava, Latvia, near the palace, the old palace that was built by Peter the Great's daughter. And when he got up to check on the girls, they were gone. Well, they drowned, and they had sunk to the bottom of the river. Nobody knows how long they were on the bottom of the river. A lot of people were on the beach that day, so everybody's diving in, trying to find the kids. They find them, they pull them out, these two girls, which each were nine years old. And there was a doctor there who was swimming, so he resuscitated them. They rushed them to the hospital, and they were put on life support, and they were both brain dead. They were brain dead. And for 30 days, an amazing thing took place in their hospital room. Our daughter's body was laying here in one bed. Her cousin, his niece, was laying in the other bed. Our driver was a new Christian and he asked us to come and pray every day. His brother was not a Christian, believed in witchcraft. So he called a witch every day. And this is in the same room? It's in the same room. So in the same room every day, on one side of the room there is a witch who is using her hands and speaking incantations over one girl. At the same time, on the other side of the room are believers laying hands in the name of Jesus. It's like a contest of powers, light and darkness in the same room. And as the 30 days went by, the one girl that was receiving witchcraft, her limbs began to turn black, they begin to curl up, and she just died right in front of people. They buried her. And the other girl looked like Sleeping Beauty. She just kept breathing. She was on life support. And the doctor kept saying, we need to turn this machine off. This girl's dead. But you know what? At the end of 30 days, she just sat straight up in her bed. She said, where am I? She had no memory of what happened. It was just like in Mark chapter five, when Jesus raised that little girl from the dead. And she, Jesus said, give her something to eat. When that little girl sat up, she said, can I please have something to eat? And you know, it wasn't so long ago, we saw her. We saw her. A girl really raised from the dead. That was a notable miracle. Mm-hmm. Another notable miracle that really stands out in my mind happened right here in Moscow. A woman who came to see me for counseling, and she was a schizophrenic. Now, I know that people don't like that word schizophrenic anymore, but that's what she was. She was not just bipolar. She really had multiple personalities. In one conversation, you could, sp- you could speak to different personalities. Well, the day that she came to talk to to me, it was her talking to me. And I said, you can be healed. She said, I don't know if I can be healed because these other personalities take over. I said, you have to make a choice. Do you really want to be healed? And you know that woman made a decision. She was going to press her brain as hard as she could into the Word of God. And that woman was delivered of all those personalities. That's wonderful. That was a notable miracle. Yes,
1: I'm thinking about the name, the Pool of the Bethesda. Yeah, it would have been, it was what most people considered probably a nasty place. Oh, it was filthy. I mean, the water stank. A whole bunch of people there that you'd really didn't want to be around. But for those people who were seeking for healing, this was the house of hope. But for everyone else, it was the nasty place that someone called the house of hope why would they call the nasty place the house of hope? So depending on who you are and whether you're really looking for God, if you're really looking for healing, if you're really expecting a supernatural movement of God, something, a place
0: that other people shun could actually become a place of healing for you. Oh, that's so good, Paul. That's so good. You know, I'm thinking right now you may need healing. If you need healing, please write to us or call us. We would love to pray with you. Just write us at prayer at renner.org, or you can call us at our toll-free number. We would love to pray with you. If you leave a message, we'll call you back. We'll really pray. We'll believe for Jesus, the same Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, to walk right into where you are and release his power. And that's what Jesus did in the Pool of Bethesda. Look what it says. It says, Now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool... Which is called being called was called by the sick people. Bethesda, having five porches, and look at this: in these, in the five porches, lay a great multitude. In Greek, there's something here that's not necessary. You have two words: the word "aklus" describes a multitude by itself, but there's a modifier here: the word "polus." You don't have to have it unless you really want to make a big statement. It means a great, great, great multitude. These people were packed into this place like sardines in a can. And notice how the Bible describes these sick people, impotent folk. The word impotent, the Greek word is thinios, it describes people that are frail, but guess what else? It's the same word to describe people that are financially destitute. And that's what sickness does to you. It steals. It steals. It steals your money. It steals your health. Your it abilities. Your hope, your abilities. These people have lost everything financially because of their sickness. And the Bible describes them as blind halt and withered. Well, the word blind, back in those days, it was generally believed no one blind could be healed. It was considered to be the most incurable of everything. And if you look at all of Jesus' ministry, he raised the dead. Of course, that's fabulous. But when he healed the blind, That just was unthinkable, unthinkable. But wait, not just the blind, it says the halt. Do you guys know what the word halt means? I do not. It's the word maimed. These people who have lost a limb in some kind of an accident. Like sometimes maybe a farmer will lose a finger or lose an arm or somebody in an industrial accident. It really means people that have lost limbs. Mm -hmm. And then the Bible says withered. Now, you're just not going to believe what this word means. The word withered is exactly the Greek word zero. These were the people who were non-contributors to society. They were deemed just to be useless eaters. They were big zeros. They had nothing to contribute. They would never get well. They were just people taking up space, eating food. They were useless eaters. In the view of society, they were just big zeros. That's who was in this place. Isn't that amazing? What a description. Isn't it amazing when you dig deep and you really begin to pull it out? So really, when it says a great multitude of impotent folk, people that are financially strapped, people that are frail, blind, those that are incurable, those that have been maimed by some kind of an accident, all the zeros were there waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. You know, it's really such a pitiful picture. Thank God we have the Bible. We don't have to wait for the moving of the water. We can move the water ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have the Word of God. But these people were just hanging around, hoping that something would happen. They never knew when it was going to happen. But yet they were there. You know why they were there? They came in faith. Why else would any sick person come to such a disgusting place? They came there because they heard rumors. They came expecting. They came expecting, and there was one man who had been there for 38 years. And perhaps, I think this is also
1: important, if someone had family or someone that could take care of them, maybe they didn't have a need to come to a place like this. But for many people who were lonely and lost all sorts of income, they would have been forced to come to a place like this. Possibly, Paul. Very possibly.
0: But there was one man who was there for 38 years, and this is what we're going to pick up tomorrow. And Jesus came into that place. And You know what else is amazing to me? For Jesus to walk to that one man that had been sick for 38 years, he had to step over a whole lot of people just to get to that one man. And you know, when your faith is right, Jesus will step over anything to get to you. Jesus had to go step over a lot of things to get to that one man because he saw something in that man. That man was ready for a touch. And Jesus knows those that are ready right now, he comes right to them. That might be you. Amen. We'd love to pray for you. Just call us or write to us. Hey, thanks for being with us. We're out of time. Can you believe this just went like that, guys? So enjoyable. Thank you. Oh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Please don't miss tomorrow night. We're going to come back tomorrow night and finish talking about do you want to be healed? And by the way, you can order this on our website or the whole series that goes with it. But Father, we thank you for the healing power of God that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See you tomorrow. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.